Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend, a podcast for long distance besties everywhere. I'm Aminatu So. And I am Anne Friedman. Oh, on this week's agenda, love is blind, and that is it. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. How you doing over there? I am doing great. I'm feeling a little uh, frazzled, but other than that, you know, just trying to hang in. I I hear that. I am in the midst of an excavation project in my home office. I realized that I have this behavior where I like things to look really clean. And so I, if something like doesn't have a space, I will shove it in a weird corner and it ends up like me building my own like beaver dam around myself where like they're every, like every open space behind like a cabinet or like under something is, is stuffed full of things that I actually probably should have thrown away. And so I am ripping everything up out of my office and like giving it all a home and it feels good i love that i forgot my coat on a plane and <gasps> i i'm like going through this like very emotional journey because it truly is a coat that costs like five euros i got it at a thrift like it was like some sort of like thrift estate sale situation is this the navy one yes it's the navy no. one it has such a sentimental value and I like I am just hoping that the lost and found God smile upon me. So I like all of my mood today is subdued because of that. I I'm truly shook that losing something so uh, like so something so casual like that can make me feel this way. Ugh, I 100 percent relate to that. And also it's why I love like secondhand things in general is like they're irreplaceable. And so when you lose one, God, I lost this scarf that I used to wear all the time, like probably more than a decade ago. I left it in a bar that I will not name in San Francisco and have never seen it since. <laughs> and and I still, I mean, look, like it definitely would have been retired from my wardrobe by now anyway, but like I lost it at the peak of my obsession with it, which I feel like is you in this coat right now. I know, it's me in this coat. We didn't have enough time together. Also, oh. Delta Airline, please return my prize property or I will be very sad. I like cried at the airport like trying to file Aww. this claim. A lot of airport employees watch me be like menopausal like tears trying to retrieve my property. So shout out slash, to menopause. <laughs> slash a woman who carefully selects the objects in her life and does not want to lose them. I mean, ugh, <sighs> I'm sorry. So that's the low light, but you know like there's some highlights. It's cool. Okay, all right. What give me a highlight? Well, a highlight of my life right now, honestly, is watching the show on Netflix called Love is Blind. You know me, Anne. Much like I don't, I read mostly nonfiction and I can't handle fiction. It's the same thing with TV. Reality TV and documentaries is where all of my attention goes. I truly thought that nothing on TV could, like, astonish me anymore and, like, consider me astonished. Okay, well, I'm about to astonish you again because you know how I am never, like, the first person. I, I never watch something at the time everyone else is watching it. I'm always, like, six years late. I, too, am watching Love is Blind. Can oh you believe it? Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Look at God. Look at God. How do you think I am sorting all this stuff in my office? The answer is the laptop is precariously balanced on a pile while I am doing, like, the hard work. And yeah, this um, is momentous. I haven't even texted you about this because I just assume that you wouldn't have been watching it 
and it's a fair assumption like normally but like but yeah i am i i am about i'm six episodes deep which i don't know how close that is to that's fine we're i believe current. we're nine we're nine episodes in but four episodes is one episode so you're literally one episode behind me we're fine it is truly a disorienting streaming experience where I'm like, how long has this episode been going on? <laughs> okay, so let's recap for the people who are not watching it at home. Love is Blind is basically um, a reality TV show that says that it's some sort of scientific experiment. It is hosted by Nick Lachey, LOL. Every time Nick Lachey comes on the screen, I, on, I scream Nick Lachey. And whenever Vanessa Lachey comes on the screen, I scream, why did you change your name? Uh, to to his last name, but that's a different conversation. Was anyway, she was she a star in her own right before they oh got married? I don't know. My gosh, she was one hundred percent a star in her own right, and uh, every it's just like it's wild. So Vanessa Minillo is like she's a beauty queen. She was a fashion model. She like was a host of TV. She was acting, but you probably know her for being like Me- Miss Teen USA in nineteen ninety eight. And she was also, like, a correspondent for uh, Entertainment Tonight. She also hosted, like, TRL. I know way too much about this, so I'm going to walk it back. Let's, like, focus on the TV show. Okay, but- wait. And Vanessa Manillo, not Milano. Like, not to be confused no, with. Yes. <laughs> not, not Vanessa uh, Milano, the cookie. Vanessa- <laughs> like, I hate you. Vanessa Leger. Uh, <laughs> you know how I feel about people who change their last names, but we can do a whole show about that next week because people have already tried to cancel me for this opinion on the internet. Okay. But back to Love is Blind, the task at hand. So it's a dating reality TV show where the premise is people at first, like they don't get to see each other and they get to talk. How does that make love grow? So love is blind, LOL. And Vanessa and Nick Lachey won't stop saying, is love blind? And, and you're like, that is not how the scientific concept of that works, but I'm going to let you have it. And also like this is, you can almost hear the pitch meeting for this show that's like in an age of Tinder and, and like seeing someone's photo before you ever like learn anything else about them. Like the show, you know, you can hear how yeah. they think this is extremely radical. And I don't know how to tell you this. It is kind of radical, but we're going to get there. (laughs) Not in the execution. (laughs) Well, of course not. Nothing's radical in execution. Um, Also, we are going to talk about how it's not radical. It's very, uh, it's like other cultures do this. But, you know, so you have these like contestants who are all um, conventionally attractive people. And to be clear, actually, they're not conventionally attractive people. They're all hot. Like I, it took me like three episodes to realize that everyone was hot because I was so focused on another kind of madness about the show that that had not registered for me yet because a show like this is radical if everyone looks a little bit different, but you're like, oh, everyone's hot and everyone conveniently lives in the same city. So, you know, like you're, the parameters are already like uh, narrowed down to what we're doing. Everyone has a, um, if you watch The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, you know that the like job titles are always like the best part of the show. This also does not disappoint. Everyone is like a content creator or a business owner or a regional manager or just like one guy's, <laughs> one guy's Chiron just says sales. <laughs> like, I'm going to start referring to myself as a regional manager. Just, <laughs> you know, like literally could be anywhere. And um, all of these people are, you know, like, the, so the men and the women are in two separate quarters. So, you know, like, dun dun. The show is really literally about the fact that, like, um, heterosexual people are not okay. Um, and they need so much help. 
But so men and women are segregated and then they get to like go into these like upholstered like pods and then they like they date like through a frosted wall, basically. Can I have a pause here for a word about the pods? (laughs) So every time someone says the word pod, I scream. (laughs) Yes. Right. Portable on demand storage is what I think. (laughs) Not to give a shout out to someone who has not advertised on our show, but, um, but there is a very funny thing, which like, okay, so full disclosure, you know how like non reality TV fluent I am, but the last reality show I watched was the queer season of, are you the one? And Mm -hmm. like the first thing that I clocked and laughed at, which is also like, um, I think a common element in like a lot of the kind of like performing competition reality shows is this like hilarious and excessive use of neon that is like supposedly responsive to things that are happening on the show. So in like, are you the one they go into like a booth to be like, are you in fact a match? And there's like glowing lights and on (laughs) and on love is blind. It's like a, you know, like we see from above, like the pulsating outlines of the pod. And I'm just like, this is such a funny, it reminds me of um, like seeing people using, a computer in a movie in the 90s where it's like you know like seeing things that are like like yes. vaguely looking sciencey this because is, this is how reality tv works like you are you are accurately honing in on the like design of a confessional space like this always this like weird design thing always gets deployed well and also it's like this kind of visual way of underscoring like the f- the false premise of this show that's like, you know, there is something sciency at work here. You know what I mean? Or like there's some like greater force at play than just like alcohol. Anyway. Yes. Um, Nick and <laughs> Vanessa Lachey. <laughs> like that is the greater force. That's the greater force in play here. I was very skeptical. I have to tell you, like nothing what have I not watched? Like nothing stresses me out on TV anymore. It's like, sure, you want to do immigration fraud? I'm here for it. You want to, I don't know, like eat your feelings on TV? I'm here for it. You want to get like plastic surgery? I'm here for it. This show though, this is wild. This is like truly wild. So people start dating and as suspected, when you don't have the stimulus of um, seeing what someone looks like and there is this like weird barrier between you, if you're open to it, people get vulnerable. And I like at first it really disoriented me. And then and then I put my like thinking cap on and I was like, oh, the reason this show feels like great to me and the reason I actually love it is that this is just like the halal version of Love Island, you know? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> I was like, I was like, uh, hello, raised in a Muslim home. I know exactly what's going on here. Uh, dating in a supervised location, check. Never seeing each other until you're in a committed relationship, check. Getting Frosted married, partition? <laughs> yeah, you know, like getting married within like two to three weeks, check, check. Drama for your entire family, like da 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 da. Like everything here is like this is the most Muslim TV show that has ever existed before. And so the idea that, you know, like everyone is like, oh, this is so different and it's so revolutionary and so whatever. And it's like, no, no, like uh, people in other cultures like kind of date like this. And uh, there is a case to be made for if you say that you are ready to settle down, there are a lot of societal mechanisms to help you get there. Right. But this is wild. I want to talk a little bit about the thing you said about how this setup encourages vulnerability, because one thing that I just kept thinking about is like, you know, the 
noted phenomenon wherein heterosexual men rely on their romantic partner to be their emotional lifeline for everything right like i'm not saying this is every heterosexual man but like as a default and like studies show it's like hashtag not all men and i am i am i am in fact saying not all men but also statistically like men who are married to women are basically like i'm only emotionally close to my wife like that is definitely a documented phenomenon you, if you were in my office right now you would see lights flashing as i make a scientific <laughs> point <laughs> in my and, confessional um, booth over here the light is neon green <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly it's like she is citing science and and you know one thing i was really struck by is like it really felt like a distillation of that phenomenon where like every time i heard one of these male contestants say something like oh i just find myself opening up to her it's like yeah <laughs> like yes of course and like, and what else um, are you gonna do here <laughs> Exactly. And, you know, there's this sequence in one of the early episodes where the contestants are gender segregated. So the the women live with other women and the men live with other men and they can see each other and hang out. It's not like a complete um, pod situation. And, you know, they they edit in this scene where the women are talking about like, what do you think the men are doing right now as they oh, sit yeah. around and talk about their <laughs> feelings? And one of the women goes probably a push up contest or something. And then of course they have footage of all like the men's side of, you know, the summer camp or whatever. And they are doing various feats of strength um, and not talking about their feelings. And I have to tell you, okay, I have a question for you on the, on the men's feelings front about this show. So there is a guy with kind of like a scraggly beard who is seen in emotional conversation with the men on their side of the camp, you oh know, my God. being Rory. Yes. And you think is like, Rory a, a contestant or okay. is he a hired and therapist working for I the show? I am so happy <laughs> you bring up Rory because this is so relevant to so much about the show because the minute that I started watching it and I started feeling all these feelings that what is the first thing that I do? I start reading about the production because I'm like, who are the people who are manipulating me? So I'm, you're bringing tears to my eye. I just love you so much. I'm like, of so course, he's like reading about the oh, production. Yeah. I was like, pause the show. I was like, talk, talk to me about who made the show. So here's actually the tea on um, Love is Blind. Halal Love Island is that <laughs> they set up this show. The production was set up to follow a maximum of five couples because mm -hmm. um, the producers went into it and Nick and Vanessa Lachey went into it being like, who is bananas enough that they're going to get engaged on the show? They were like, probably we'll get two couples. Here's what happened. Almost everyone got engaged. And the production, like, didn't have any money. They were only set up to follow five. So literally when they, like, maxed out their five couples, they were like, okay, we're fine. But people in shut the it house down. kept... Yeah, they just shut down. They were like, sorry, <laughs> we can't follow the rest of you. But so other people were also getting engaged, but we'll never know about them. So Rory, whose uh, job is... We are Twitch blind to their love, you might say. <laughs> right, we are blind to their love. So Rory is a Twitch streamer. LOL, LOL, LOL. What? And he was like that. Yes. So everyone thought that he was a plant because he was so supportive and he was so nice or whatever. And he was like, no, no. Like he was inside and he was falling in love like everyone else, but they like wouldn't follow him and his like person. Um, but the thing that I thought was so funny was that like he you know like it's so apparent you're just like who is this guy who is like sharing and he's like a he's like everyone's therapist in here it turns out he's just like probably a little more uh, well adjusted than everyone else but also for reality TV was too boring to be followed which is why they like didn't follow him and his person but he confirmed in all these interviews that like he like said I love you like people are saying I love you like after three days like I have never 
when I'm telling you, Anne, that I was screaming, because the thing that you're talking about, the gender binary here and feelings is so real. And it is my true belief that um, it's why like church also like did not work for me is that I think that if people are going to share feelings and be vulnerable, you need like a licensed psychologist there. It's it, it's like it it is truly it is like doing heroin. Doing feelings unsupervised is nuts. And this is what the show is. It's just people being like, "Oh, I've never opened up to anyone before." And then they do it and then there's no one there to hold them. And so like, what's the next step? They're like, "I'm going to marry this person." <laughs> and you're like, "What?" Wow. One of the things that was like so emotional for me was like watching these like dudes cry. You know, and all of it was like it was it was real. It was like very genuine and it was very affecting. And so you like watch them cry about like, you know, they're so in love and they're meeting someone, the adrenaline is pumping. And then you keep watching the show and some of them are kind of jerks and you're trying to reconcile this like, how is this asshole the same person who was like crying five minutes ago about like marrying this woman? And then you re- like, and then you realize that you're like, oh yeah, you've like never shared your feelings with anyone before. So you did it and that's what you're doing. And then for the women, having a man share like this like super vulnerable moment with them also makes them feel like oh look at the look at the emotion that i just got out of someone and so this has to be my person which yes like shows like this like when i am king like therapists will be everywhere this is so intoxicating it's not normal doing feelings is real drugs Right. And I guess this show feels like um, because of the format feels like a real distillation in in different gender socialization in terms of like how comfortable and willing you are to talk feelings with people. And like that actually I mean, it's funny, this podcast, like this is not a dating and relationships podcast. I know but this I'm is the first like, time we are talking about dating on the show and I am loving it. <laughs> but I have to say that like I know that it is in the context of a dating show. But one reason why I really wanted to talk about it like on our show is because I'm like, actually, I feel like it has a lot more to do with emotions and like gender socialization. Like it's like, yeah, yeah, dating, sure. And also like rampant amounts of alcohol, but like how people expect to make connections um, and like, or how people of different genders expect to make connections and how, when you put it, what's the metaphor? Like put a finger on the lever or like weight the scale. When you (laughs) you weight the scale. When when you weight the scale. (laughs) You put your finger on the balance. (laughs) Right, exactly. And like, and, and make um, people who are not socialized to be like very fluent in feelings be fluent in feelings like yeah that's how you get like more couples than you budgeted for getting engaged (laughs) but here's what i will say Anne, about that the reason that like the bachelor is boring besides the fact that it's this very like 1950s very white very heterosexual like problematic show is also just that it's like one person dating like a hundred people right so the attention is either just on like one man or one woman and this show it's like a house full of people dating all sorts of different people and sometimes they are like there was one man that like a couple of people fought over and i was like i cannot believe all of you are fighting fighting over a man named barnett like this is wild but whatever oh C- don't even get me started on C- barnett. civilian <laughs> civilians dating is so nuts you know i'm just like what are you guys doing but anyway You know, there were all sorts of, like, different expressions of dating in the house. I, for one, like, it was interesting to me that all of the men got on on this show, like, wanting to essentially, like, settle down. Like, that is not a stereotype that I would have had of, like, men their age. And I do think that for the women, that is an additional draw. Because even on The Bachelor, The Bachelor says he wants a wife, but, like, Bachelors be leaving people at the aisle all the time. (laughs) And with this, you know, and, and with this, you were like, oh... I was truly shocked that they found that many men who wanted to settle down. 
that was like straight men who wanted to do it in that age range. That was interesting. Um, but then you like kind of look at all their horoscopes and you're like, yeah, like no shit. Like all of these cancers and Aries, like this is why we're all crying. <laughs> but um, anyway, that's uh, that's uh, separate from the science of the show as Nick Lachey would have us believe. Right. People but who I- don't believe in marriage or astrology are not on this show. <laughs> yeah. But, but another thing, I don't know. It was, it was the parallels with The Bachelor are obviously there. It's like you go to their hometown. They have, you have these like hometown dates. And here, every time that I thought a family member would be like, oh, this is wild. Like, what? You're marrying a white man or what? This one is 24. A lot of their parents were very much like, okay, I do think that it's wild that you're on television, but also they would all tell kind of their story of being married. And, you know, in traditional, like our parents' generation, they'd be like, yeah, met her at the pool. Five days later, we were engaged and now we're married. You know, again, (laughs) halal dating since the beginning of time it has been working. And so, again, I was like, if you want to settle down and you want to meet someone, there are a lot of levers to like pull there. And so the thing that the show thinks that it's doing is not the thing that it's actually doing. But I have been like really pleasantly surprised with some of these couples, how wholesome it is. Like the interracial couple of Lauren and Cameron, I am dying. I'm dressing up to watch their wedding tomorrow because that's my royal wedding. I did not watch the other royal wedding. This is my royal wedding. I'm so excited about it. proposing to each other like through frosted walls i just two days in two days in, like two days in i love you and then like i'm ready to marry you but again i'm like i was raised in a muslim household so none of this surprises me um but it's just you know i don't know like there are no elements of the show like structurally that are different like the even when they were all in mexico i was like oh my god of course they're at the same resort you know but at the same time it's like when everyone is it's not that it's a competition which is what is surprising because in every other show when they do that it's to set people up to compete with each other it's like either you're gonna like partner swap Mm -hmm. or you are you know you're like racing each other for a prize or a thing and here it was like no like um the production has a set budget we have this resort in mexico you guys are all gonna end up here and then all of this and then they take them through these stages of like you know you meet and then you have this other honeymoon period. And the thing that I was really struck by probably the most was because I was very much, you know me, I hate it when people are like technology is bad. I was like, technology is neutral. It's people that are bad um, or can be good. But the minute that they gave everyone their phones, the problem started again. Like it wasn't that they like got into the real world. It was the fact that they had access to their phones and to their real lives. And that was very much like, oh, okay. They're, there really is something about the like meeting someone in a vacuum and then having to reintegrate them to your real life that is very important. Oh my god. I will I will see it through. I'm like, you know, I'm excited to be talking with you about something on trend in real time. Like shout out to my dirty office. <laughs> um oh my gosh. Well, tell me, who is your favorite couple and who is your least favorite couple? Or like give me uh, observations about people. Oh, I just feel I mean, look, like Cameron and Lauren are like 
how can how can they not be a fave like truly but i really feel like i'm watching like on another i don't know like i truly am watching on another level where i'm like oh my god like these these men being like horrible like even when they are not like standing in a bar next to this woman they're in a separate pod right like it's just like the way some behaviors also do penetrate this kind of very odd and controlled experiment is like a thing that i'm interested in i also just can't let go i know i have not made it far enough into the show to see them cohabitating yet but i'm just like heterosexual women you cannot judge a man until you have like like shared a space with him like you know this is this is where like the like halal dating breaks down for me where i'm like longevity is like in all this kind of like little daily life stuff so I'm more just like also setting myself up for the like dramatic cohabitation scenes that are sure to come I would pay extra money to Netflix to just to see more footage of what happened on everyone's dates and the things that they actually talked about Mm. because like because they emphasize a lot of like okay some people talked about family and that was a huge like Lauren and Cameron like realizing that how important family is to them or Kelly and Kenny, the like most forgettable couple on the thing. I keep calling them like Kenny collectively because I truly don't remember their names. Like, you know, they're just like things that they're like, okay, these people bonded over family. These people bonded over like being rebels. These people bonded over whatever. But obviously when they start cohabitating, like one couple, you realize like they didn't talk about money in the pods at all. And then like Mm -hmm. finances become an issue. And for me, I'm like, what is the point of like, you can fully just be yourself if you don't ask the scariest things that you can ask someone because you're actually never going to see them again. Like there is part of that setup is so appealing to me because it's like, great, you can ask someone anything you want and then you might never see them again and it's fine. And instead you realize that there's all these like big questions like, will your parents come to our wedding? Um, Do you have college debt? Do you whatever that never, you know, I was like, you had zero distractions and that is not a thing that came up. That is wild. Right. And it's funny for something that kind of has like this sciencey idea at its heart. It's like, actually, there's also a lot of research about what ends relationships. And it is like everything you just named, right? Like money stress and like, you know, you different think priorities Nick, you and think values. Nick and Vanessa Lachey, the scientists in charge of this project, are reading about um, science and statistics because I don't With think her so. Milano cookie empire, they don't need to worry about that, <laughs> okay? It. That's the other <laughs> Alyssa. <laughs> I hate you. The Milano cookie, the Milano cookie heiress, Alyssa Milano. But, um, you know, another thing actually that I want to touch on before we finish this conversation one thing I thought that the show did like egregiously badly and it I like I'm so irritated that they even introduced the premise at all was with um Carlton's character I was um, actually just gonna bring also this up. I love that I called him a character the person of Carlton <laughs> who if well you, he's edited as a character like well, all these people are well here's the thing I'm gonna tell you why he's a character he was literally an assistant on Real Houses of Atlanta and the minute I saw him, I was like, is that Cynthia Bailey's assistant with a beard? No. Listener, it 100% was. And so he's on this other reality TV show where he was like pulled some antics in order to like, you know, just he's like a professional reality TV show haver. In the show, um, sorry for spoilers, but if an episode has nine episodes out, like, and you're not watching, I like, it's inevitable that there will be spoilers. So if you don't want spoilers, maybe like pause your headphones. But the... um. You know, the fact that he is like says that he's bisexual does not tell Diamond in the pod and then tells her in the real world in Mexico and then gaslights her about it is something I thought the show handled so badly. Like Carlton handled it badly and I like hate him for it. The show also handled it badly in that I was like, you have a real opportunity here because 
I, you know, I thought that it, there was so much of it that was like bisexual shaming. There was so much of it that was like gay bashing. There was like, there was no nuance in how any of that conversation unfolded. And it made me really upset. Well, and right. And I think for all of like what we were just saying about like this supposed like pod, you can't see each other set up being designed to like foster intimacy or whatever. I actually, the thought had occurred to me is what that like the producers had asked him to not reveal it during that part of the conversation. Like it felt very like engineered to be like a bomb dropping, like in a way that like, yeah, I agree. And it was also like, you know, the her reaction which i feel like they they very much set up ambiguously to be like is it that she doesn't want to be with someone bisexual or is it that she's mad that he did not like fully reveal this important aspect of himself to her before i think that she made it really clear that she was just like upset that she told him everything about herself and he didn't tell her everything about himself right but at the same time i was like if you were conducting a scientific experiment uh you know, I was like, one question that I love to ask all of my partners is, um, tell me about your previous partners, you know? And so it is just this, it's just this thing where I was like, I feel like they set people up for failure. And also there is, there's so much, uh, there are like such better ways to set up that kind of tension than to just like, again, unsupervised, leave people hanging and then do it on national television in a way where all you're introducing is like LGBTQ bashing. And I really hated that. Right. And I guess what I'm trying to say is like, is definitely in in her defense is like, I actually don't know. Like maybe she said something like, I'm 100% fine with your sexuality. It's like, I'm just really mad at you about this as an intimacy issue. You know, if she said something that essentially summarized that, like they're not, I actually... I very much felt that this ed- episode was edited to make that less clear and make it more like, Ooh, it's like a big scary thing. It's like, you know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I didn't there. It's very, one reason why I don't love this genre very much is like, you know, it's funny for someone who worships the power of editing. I'm like the, the, in, when it comes to reality TV, I'm just like, I don't know. I don't feel good about like, like what am I, what am I seeing? Right. And like, how, how were these things engineered? And I think that like, for me, that is like, um, I know that like documentaries are also edited and other like all all nonfiction forms are edited and kind of, you know, a narrative, a narrative is shaped by someone who, you know, is outside the frame. But I think it can be very hard for me to um, to watch this as anything but a producer's version of events, you know, and it's like that's and that fo- that probably feels like a more accurate way to watch it. But I just I. It may, I just always end up feeling bad for the people of the show. I'm like, I see you like plied with alcohol and then your narrative shaped by this other person and woof. I mean, I end up feeling bad for them and also very much like, you know, we there's so much reality TV that exists that I also don't believe that people go into it like fully naive. Like I'm not talking about every sure. reality TV show, but I think that this reality TV show specifically attracts like a kind of person a kind it's why like watching the whole madness unfold later is also like interesting it's like one person starts having these like very serious doubts about whether they can do it or not with a partner that's like very securely attached to them and you feel so bad for the partner who is like i'm ready to do this i thought we talked about this and the other person's like here are all my doubts and you're like you're like excuse me you literally signed a release that said that you would do all of these things so you know like i understand i I obviously like understand the human aspect of it, but I also think that there is there like people who go on reality television. I could read um, 
papers and papers and papers and papers about the psychology of that. <laughs> about because, the archetype. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, who, I mean, you know, a lot of Aries, like I said, a lot of Aries, a lot of Scorpios, um, some like misguided Libras. Um, but it's just very, it, yeah, it's just like a kind of thing that I was like, I, uh, I cannot imagine, I cannot imagine subjecting myself to this, but I do have to say that when I was watching this, it gave me the same feelings as early seasons, real world and like real world world rules challenge where I was like, if I, um, if I had to, I would 100% go on this show. Like it is hitting all of my like danger buttons that I like. I have to tell you, it's it. One thing that I thought about is, um, is how this show format could be adapted to friendship. And and I feel like that was like a line of thinking that also occurred to me because I was like, God, get these men in pods across from each other and allow them to form some like truly emotionally attached I friendships know. like with each other. Like, you know, I mean, it, it is, I know that like, you know, culturally speaking, everyone is like, okay, like if you're not in it, marriage creates the stakes for a show like this, right? But um, but I really was like, oh wow. Like I, I actually really love the idea of thinking about like if you put me in a pod where I couldn't see and didn't have any info about someone who I would probably never interact with in my daily life like would we become friends if we really talked for a long time like I actually there's something very like sweet to me in in pondering that idea even though I mean I guess when we own our own production company we can (laughs) friendship is blind (laughs) Nick Lachey Vanessa Lachey call us you know what's it's interesting too like I've been thinking a lot about the other shows that I'm watching and one show that is also like very high stakes but I feel that um and the production is equally as manipulative but the result was very different for me was cheer where like it's a show about cheerleaders in Texas every the the this production is manipulative in the sense that they um they make you hate everyone and then they tell you their story and then you are disarmed you know what i mean (laughs) almost everyone you hate like the minute you're like oh this person this person this person and that is like also a very that's like a very common reality tv show and i would say like probably like documentary because um uh cheer is actually a docu-series it's very documentary it's like here is what you think on the surface and then we're gonna go below and then the minute they go below you just start crying and but it has that reality TV appeal because it's like who's going to make Matt? You know what I mean? I mean it's really course, like a perfect course. a perfect blend of genres is like how Who I would is going to make here. Matt the Anne Friedman story? I love it. Um, I mean, you're on Matt with me forever, so forever. don't worry about it. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like where like like Cheer could have been a very tidy 90-minute documentary on on Netflix and instead they were like how do we, you know, like how do we milk all the money and how do we how do we raise the stakes? And so I enjoyed every single episode. I cried at the finale. I cried at so many episodes. It was lovely. And, you know, and at the same time, it is manipulative. And I just, you know, I think that the the reason that for me that works is, again, because shows about dating are, you know, at the end of the day, I'm always like, marriage is not an accomplishment. This is not as exciting as anyone thinks it is, even though, like, I get it. Um, but there was something, like, so different about the vibe of cheer and getting to know these kids. And also, I think, like, correcting that stereotype that so many people have that cheerleading is not sports. Because mm-hmm. I left that, like, really being like, wow, like, why are we worshipping football players? Here are the people on the sidelines who are, like, doing athleticism for real. And also, you learn so much about, like, black gay boys in texas and you learn so much about like you know this like weird politics of the place and you like the interior life of all of these kids and i thought that that was 
it like there was something that really um it really just like moved me and the way that i felt about it i feel like i want to protect all of those children especially jerry jerry i love you you're my favorite um but yeah you know all of all of this it all boils down to editing and it all boils down to like who is manipulating you and what they are manipulating you for and i hate that i watch it but i love that i watch it (laughs) um i like to dip in you know happy i dipped in on this one with you Oh my gosh. Well, look at that. There goes the whole hour of Call Our Girlfriend. On wow, who thought we show. were going to do a whole episode about Love is Blind? Not, did me. not, think not so. me. It was fully <laughs> supposed to be five seconds on the agenda. Sorry to all those other topics. <laughs> uh, on this week's agenda, Love is Blind, and that is it. <laughs> wow. Wow, wow, wow. Well, um, I will see you at Cameron and Lauren's wedding on Netflix. Um, talk to you soon, boo boo. See you on the internet. See you on the Netflix internet. You can find us many places on the internet, callyourgirlfriend.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. We're on all your favorite platforms. Subscribe, rate, review. You know the drill. You can call us back. You can leave a voicemail at 714-681-2943. That's 714-681-CYGF. You can email us, callyrgf at gmail.com. Our theme song is by Robin. Original music composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs. We're on Instagram and Twitter at callyrgf. Our associate producer is Jordan Bailey, and this podcast is produced by Gina Delvac.